0: title of this morning's message is Tomorrow. Tomorrow is the title of this morning's message. And the Word of God says, And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. Pray with me this morning. Father, thank you we get to call you Father. Thank you that we get to call you Father. And Father... Daddy God, you said all that is yours is ours. And so, Father, we pray that your spirit would break out, that heaven would touch earth this morning, and that our lives would be touched immediately, changed eternally, here today, so that our tomorrow will never be the same. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Well, as you're with us this morning, we've been talking in a series this morning called Home. And in our series called Home this morning, the biggest thing we're trying to address as a church is that this doesn't feel like a church to you. It feels like home to you. And as it feels like home to you, we pray that you would do this. You would kick your shoes off, that we would have fun together, that we would hang out together. But more than that, that the Spirit of God would move in this place like never before. And as you find a place called home and you walk in this building, we want you to know when you walk in this building that you are not a project to us at TWBC. You are a person to us. And we got to realize this when we walk into a place called home, that people are not projects. People are not projects to be fixed. They're human beings to be loved. And when we will love people the way the Father loves people, he can fix people only the way the Father can fix people. Amen? See, God the Father works through us, but he can't work through us until we love the way that he loves. And so it's our job this year at TWBC is to love you like the Father loves you. And listen, I love you just the way you are if you never changed the rest of your life and you were the same today as you are 50 years from now if you never changed anything else about you I love you exactly the way you are I don't love you for who you're trying to become I don't love you for who you could be I don't love you for the potential within you I love you for you And people are not projects to be fixed. They're people to be loved. And as we love people, we know the Father's going to come do a mighty work in their life. Amen? We know the Father's going to begin to touch and transform and do amazing things. And he's going to do it in this environment called home. Now, what is home? What is the definition of home? Home is where the presence of the Father is. Home is where the presence of the Father is. But homelessness is where the absence of the presence of the Father is. Where the Father is not present... It creates this void in our life called homelessness. And through homelessness, as the past couple of weeks have gone by, we have realized and gone through so many scenarios of uh, of the catastrophic uh, manifestations of homelessness in all of our houses that God needs to come in and do a mighty work and not just fix us, but he wants to love us to a place of transformation in him where we realize that we don't work for him, we work from him. And so many of us, we've got to come to this place that we realize we don't work for God, we work from God. Last week we did a sermon called Reality. What is the reality of homelessness and what does it really look like in our everyday life as a family? And, and we went through several scenarios last week from, from a young child to a youth to a, to a college-age young adult to an adult to a person who's an empty nester whose kids are raised and out of the house. And we've gone through all these scenarios, but it doesn't matter what age group they were in. Several of the same fears over and over and over started manifesting because they realized this. They had been living in a spirit of homelessness all their life, even though they've had an encounter with Jesus Christ. And in the midst of having an encounter with Jesus Christ, you can get saved but never receive the spirit of sonship. And so, in your salvation moment, you can come over here and be a son or you can live as a slave the rest of your life. And we realize that if we're going to be who God's called us to be, it's going to come from a way where we receive, we become, and we release. Many of us have not entered into the area of sonship and become the person in chair one that I'll talk about in just a minute because we have not received the love of the Father. We cannot become the love of the Father and therefore we do not have the ability to release the love of the Father. But this morning in this place, I believe God's going to begin to do a transformational moment where we do receive the love of the Father, where we are able to then release the love of the Father, and then we can become all that God's who called us to become in every area of our life. And now the past couple of weeks, I've used this same illustration over and over, and it's chair one. Chair one is a place called home. It's those who have had an encounter with Christ. And as they've had an encounter with Christ, they've come into a place of sonship. They've entered this place that they don't work for the Father, they work from the Father. They don't try to achieve something. They know that when you truly become a son in the house, you can only receive something. And so we have, we have people who live in chair one. But the vast majority of believers who, walk, who, who live in the body of Christ live in chair number two. And as they live in chair number two, they've had a true encounter with Jesus Christ. And 93%, uh, uh, stats say 93% of Christians live in this chair. They've had an encounter with Jesus Christ, but instead of receiving a spirit of sonship, they received what Paul said do not become uh, again slaves to the very thing that you were just rescued out of. And they received a spirit of slavery. See, you can have a true encounter with Christ and get born again, but if you don't receive the spirit of sonship, you will end up receiving the spirit of slaves and you'll slave in the father's house as we learned last week as the eldest son did he said father i've been slaving in your house all these years god never called us to slave in his house the father called us to be a son in his house and i said last week i can't believe how broken-hearted the father must have been for his oldest son to wake up every day and go hang out with the slaves instead of hang out with the father Many of us do the same thing. We wake up day after day and week after week and month after month and year after year and we go spend time slaving for the Father instead of sunning with the Father. And we must change that in our life. And 93% of people in the body of Christ live from that chair there. And the third chair is this right here. It's called homeless. Homeless and lost. These are people who have never had an encounter with Jesus Christ. These are people who never have experienced salvation, and therefore they don't have the ability to be a slave and homeless or a son and come home because they've never had. And the problem is the belief system of this person here who's home and a son and this person here who's homeless and a slave are almost identical. They have almost the same belief systems. The big issue is the actions of chair two and three where this person says I'm born again and this person says I'm not. Their beliefs are completely different but their actions and their attitudes many times line up to be very similar. This is why you can have people who are lost and dying going to hell out on a drunken bender on a Saturday night. And you can have people who are saved and had an encounter with Jesus be out in a drunken bender on a Saturday night. Their actions line up the same even though their beliefs may be completely different. And some of the manifestations of that are homelessness in our life. And it's time that those realities begin to change. So now we need to take the reality of what we talked about last week. All those things that we talked about last week, we found out what the reality of today was last week. But how does this play into tomorrow? And so now we must do this. Now we need to take this reality of today into tomorrow. And how the reality of homelessness is not just damaging to us, but for generations to come. It's not just damaging for us today, but it's damaging for generations to come. And there is a certain account in the Bible that proves this out in such an amazing way. And it starts in Genesis chapter 9. And so you can write these scriptures down. If you have your Bible, turn to it in your... If you have your phone app out, turn it to to it in your phone app. It's Genesis chapter 9, verses 18 through 26. And this is the story of Noah. After the ark had landed and they came off the boat, the account here picks up. And we're going to see how the generation and the reality of homelessness in the day of Noah didn't just affect their reality today, but it affected the reality of their tomorrow and even generations on down the line, and we're gonna watch how this plays out in our life as well. And so Genesis chapter 9, verses 18 through 26. It says, The sons of Noah who went forth from the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Everybody say Shem? Shem. Everybody say Ham. Ham? And everybody say Japheth. Japheth. Ham was the father of Canaan. These three were these three were the sons of Noah, and from these all the people of the whole earth were dispersed. Noah being a man of the soil planted a vineyard and he drank wine and became drunk everybody say drunk I just want to make sure we're on the same page this morning okay it didn't say he kind of got tipsy it said he was drunk and he lay uncovered that means he was naked in his tent so yes we're talking about naked drunk people at nine o'clock in the morning okay it's all good we're at home we're at home right And so he lay naked and drunk in his tent, and Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. And then Shem and Japheth took a garment and laid it on their shoulders and walked backwards and covered the nakedness of their father. Their faces were turned backward, and they did not see their father's nakedness. And when Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his youngest son had done to him, he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of the servants, and he shall be a and a cur- Excuse me. And he said, "Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants, shall he be to his brothers?" Can somebody say homeless this morning? Homeless. So he also said, "Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. May God enlarge Japheth, and let him dwell in his tents, the tents of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant." Some versions say slave. And so right here, we found out that area of homelessness had entered the life of Canaan right here in this chair here. And so in this chair, we realize it says, Cursed be Canaan, the lowest of slaves or homeless will he bleed be to his brothers. And now we're going to see how this curse followed his family for several generations to come. And there are things in your life today that if you continue to allow to let them go on in your life, it's not just going to affect your reality of today. It's going to follow you into your tomorrow. Can I get an amen on that? If you do not put a stop to the things of homelessness in your life today, it's not just going to follow you today, it's going to follow you into your tomorrow. And if you don't stop it today, it will have an effect on your tomorrow as things go forward. And now listen. In Genesis chapter 10, verses 15 through 20, the Bible says this. Canaan fathered Sidon, his firstborn, and Heth. And the Jebusites, the Amorites, the Girgashites, the Hivites, the Archites, the Sinites, the Adverites, the Zemarites, and the Hamathites. Afterward, the clans of Canaan dispersed. And the territory of the Canaans extended from the Sidon in the, in the direction of Gerar as far as Gaza. And in the direction of so- Sodom and Gomorrah and Admah and Zebulun as far as uh, Lashah. And, there are, and these are the sons of Ham by their clans and by their languages, their lands, and their nations. Now listen, the sons of Canaan as I just mentioned, were the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, the Girgashites, the Hivites, the Arkites, the Sinites, the, the Adverites, the Zemarites, and the Hamathites. Ham's other sons also that came from him were the, sons, uh, were, were, were the generation of the Philistines that came out of them. Okay? And so all these are the descendants of Canaan. And I'm going somewhere with this. Y'all stick with me. Some of you guys are like, listen, all this, uh, uh, all this genealogy stuff is not for me. I could care less, but if you would start caring something about it, you would realize that your reality of today has got an effect on your tomorrow. And by following this genealogy, we're going to see how the reality of their homelessness, of their slavery, of the sin of their father, how it did not just affect his life, it followed him into tomorrow, but not just to to tomorrow, but for 12 generations down the line, his homeless and his slavery didn't just follow him, but it actually led his people. Come on now. See, some of you guys think your problems are following you. The problem is, if you don't stop your problems from following you, they're going to lead your kids. I'll oh, see some of y'all didn't get that. If you don't stop your, if you don't stop your drunkenness from following you today, it's going to lead your kids into it tomorrow. Listen, what our generation tolerates, the next generation exploits. Because we tolerate so much junk, the next generation exploits it. And what we think is following us is actually leading them. And so we must begin to understand that our reality of today must change because it's going to bring them into their tomorrow. And so now God, when he was bringing his people out of Egypt, everybody say Egypt, we're going to jump forward several hundred years and we're going to go into the story of Exodus. When God is about to lead his people out of Egypt, where is he going to lead them to? The promised land. The name of the promised land was Canaan did, did you just forget what son was cursed? The son of Japheth was Canaan, and they were cursed. When God's about to lead His people out, He's bringing them into a place, and that place is called Canaan. Let's follow the story through. It says, was God was bringing His people out of Egypt? And he was going to give them their own land to enter. He was going to bring them into Canaan. And the Bible says in Exodus chapter 23, verses 20 through 23, it says, Behold, I will send an angel before you. Amen. That's a good thing right there. Behold, I will send an angel before you to guard you on your way and to bring you to the place that I have prepared for you. See, God's preparing a place even in the midst that you don't even realize. God's preparing something for you. And he says, pay attention. To him And obey his voice. Do not rebel against him, for he will not pardon your transgression, for my name is in him. But if you carefully obey his voice and do all that I say, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. Can I get an amen on that? How many of you want God to be an enemy to your enemies? That means he's your best friend. <laughs> Come on. How many of you want God to be an adversary to your adversaries? That means the people who are coming against you, God says, I'm against them. The enemy that's fighting against you, God says, I'm against that enemy. And so if we're going to make the reality of our today change our tomorrow, we must begin to fall in line with this right here and begin to worship God and let, God's, let, let our enemies become God's enemies and watch God fight for us and watch God lead for us. It says, my angel goes before you and brings you to the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, and the Canaanites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. So now I, I, I'll make this real simple. Those of you who are not following along genealogically, You had a group of people that Noah said, You're cursed. You will be a servant and slaves to your brothers. And so they went off to this section of the world and began to build a vast empire, a great land. The Bible says it's a land flowing with milk and honey, a land where you can dig co- copper out of the hills, a land where there's gold, a land where, the, where, where there's rivers and there's a, an abundance like never before, a land where there's milk and, and honey and everything that they need. And so they're building this vast empire in this lush land, but they didn't know that their reality of yesterday had followed them into their tomorrow. So they're building a land for somebody who's going to come in because they've been accursed and a slave to their brothers all these years and didn't know it. Now, I'm trying not to get a hell of myself in this message, but it's so hard not to. See, all these years you felt like you've been in captivity, God says, I've been working on something. I've been working on something. All these years you think your life has been a miserable wretch and you don't know why you've been serving God and you don't know why you keep showing up to church. You don't know why you keep worshiping with your hands held high because you've been believing God for him to do something and it hadn't appeared yet. Don't worry about it because all these years that you think you've been in slavery, he's actually been constructing something over here. And he's got a day where he's going to lead you out of destruction into something he's been constructing and going to make something happen in your life. He's leading out of you destruction into construction. He's got something working on your life. But we have got to get out of the reality of today because if we don't get out of the reality of our today, it's going to follow us into our tomorrow. And so listen, Canaan was a land prospering, but they didn't know they had a curse following all those people over there, that vast empire they were building, they were doing a great and mighty kingdom they were building. They had this great thing going on. They didn't realize they were building something awesome, but they still had a curse following them. And all these years, they were building something that was built for somebody else. The reality of homelessness was following the most prosperous people of that day. Now, that's a statement I want to set in. The reality of homelessness was following the most prosperous people of that day. Listen, you can be one of the most prosperous people in all of Northeast Texas, but if you got the reality of homelessness following you, it's going to end up that you're building an empire for somebody else to come and take over. And so we must begin to understand... That if you are blessed right now and you say, oh, everything in life is good. I got this great career. I got this great job. But you're not addressing the reality of today. It's going to follow you into tomorrow. And all these great things you've been building for your kids and for your kids' kids, you're building it for them to walk into an area of slavery if you don't deal with your reality. And so we must begin to understand that Canaan, in all his great doing, and all his great building, he was building something for a generation that was built, being built for someone else. And I'm going to ask you, are you prospering today but still have a homeless spirit about you? Because if you're prospering today and still have a homeless spirit about you, you're going to, it's going to lead you into destruction into tomorrow. And so for 12 generations, the sons of Hams were slaves and they didn't know it. They were building a kingdom for somebody else. For 12 generations, they were building a great empire for someone else. For 12 generations, the sins, the reality of homelessness of the father followed the sons. I'm going to ask you two questions. Today is one question. Tomorrow is the other question. What realities of today are we not dealing with, with our kids, the darkness, the being made fun of, the approval of adults, the fear of adults, abandonment, acceptance, divorce in our youth? We're not helping them through puberty and passion. They still have no identity. They're still suffering from the uh, heartache of blended families. They still got comparison issues. They got grown people problems that they're carrying. They're burdened with divorce, even though they're not even married. They got overlooked pain that they haven't dealt with. They're struggling with their future. They have great disappointments. They have, they have huge doubt. They have respect for authority issues. Then you get into the young adult age, and they're struggling with, should I get married and who do I get married to? And right now, it's even if it's somebody from the same sex or a different sex. It's, we got career issues. We got relationship issues. We got choices issues because we were never told how to choose. We got transition issues. We don't know how to transition from one stage of life to the next. We got identity issues. We're set up for failure. And we got prison vision and life's never going to get any better than this. And then you get into the adults and we're worried about taking care of two generations. We're worried about the next medical crisis. We're worried about ourselves getting a divorce. We're worried about our comparison issues. We're worried about us being accepted. We got Jones problems. We're trying to compete with the Joneses. We got unresolved hurts of our own that we've had from our childhood that we're taking into our adult life we got inner vows that we're struggling with we got baggage that we're struggling with we got fear of admitting that we have failed in the past and so we're leading our children into failure in the future then as we get to a senior adult or an empty nester we're wondering who am I I don't have kids anymore I don't even know who I am I've lived my life for them rather than for me I don't have purpose I have death and I have death issues of when and how I'm going to die I got physical limitations I'm useless and I got financial decisions of I don't even know how I'm going to make it through the rest of my life The realities of our today. That's my first question. What realities of your today have we not dealt with? Because if we don't uh, deal with the realities of today, we're going to carry them in to tomorrow. And if I can urge you to do anything today, you need to find your reality of today. And if we don't find the reality of today, we're going to carry baggage into tomorrow. The first question that I have for you this morning is this. What is your today like? Are you living from this chair here, this homeless chair? The second question I have is what are you carrying into your tomorrow? This is the bigger question that I have. Because if you don't deal with the realities of today, you're going to be carrying something into your tomorrow. And so my question today is, what things are you doing today or even starting today that are going to follow you into your tomorrow that will actually lead your children in the generations to come? Such as these little things that you think you got under control now, that you just started doing in the past three to five years in your life. You have, a, you have a pornography issue that you think you got in control, but you're not willing to deal with because I can take care of this issue. I can handle it on my own. Nobody needs to know about it. It's between me and God. I've got this under control, and the re- your reality is really this. You're starting something today that you're going to carry into your tomorrow, and you wonder why tomorrow your kids are going to be struggling with something that they don't even know what they're dealing with. It's because you didn't deal with your reality of today, and what you started today, your ki- children are going to be led by tomorrow. Let's take any area. Because we're not willing to deal with our depression today, our kids are going to be led by depressed people tomorrow. Come on. Because we're not willing to deal with our issues of financial decisions today, we'll get in debt as much as we want to because, hey, the government will bail us out at some point. Come on now. We'll spend money like we don't have it because we don't have it and we're still spending it. And the reality of our decision today is it's leading our children into a broke generation tomorrow when God said, oh, no man, anything but the debt of love. So our decisions that we're making right now today are going to be leading our children tomorrow. And I tell people all this all the time. The greatest thing you can do for your kids is not live for them. It's live life in front of them. And I'm not talking show them all your baggage. But I am telling you teach them how to live. Live life to the fullest. Live it to a whole nother level. Live it to a place where God can use you mightily in his kingdom's sake. And so the two questions I have for you today is what realities of today have we not dealt with? And what things are we starting today that are going to lead our children into a place of slavery tomorrow? And these are heavy questions. But if we don't begin to answer them right now, our children will not be... This chair here. In fact, they'll be building for 12 generations for somebody else to come in and take over what they've been building. Because they didn't realize they were slaves and a curse just wasn't following them. The reality of homeless wasn't just following them. The reality of the curse and the sin was leading them the whole time. And the last time I read the Bible, the only thing we're supposed to be led by is the Holy Spirit. And so in this, parents, I want you to take a big look At what is your reality today. And what your reality today is. What are you starting today. That's going to lead your children tomorrow. And in this moment. God wants to speak something into your life. Because right now. Right here at this time. This is when the whole series changes. It's when the whole series changes changes because God hasn't been working for your destruction God's been working for your construction God hasn't been working for you in your homelessness he's been working on a building process and if you'll begin to embrace the movement of God in your life right now is when this whole series changes And I'm making a big point of saying that because for the next three weeks, we're not going to find out what the reality of homelessness is. We're going to figure out what it is and what it looks like not to live in this, but to begin to live in this. God has not been working on your destruction. He's been working on your construction. God has not been working on your homelessness. He's been in a building process, and his building process is to get you from here to here to this chair and from here to here to this chair. See, for 12 generations... The people of Canaan were in a building process, but they didn't know they were building for somebody else. But listen, God said, I saw you coming from a long way off. Listen, this is where the whole series changes. After this week, we are no longer talking about what it looks like to be homeless. We're going to talk about what it looks like to be covenant. We're going to talk about what it looks like to be a born-again, blood-bought child of the living God, and not how this manifests out, but how this manifests out. What it looks like when we truly walk in covenant relationship with God the Father Almighty. What it begins to look like when we finally come home and we begin to say, I'm no longer worthy to be called a son but a slave. But the Father didn't listen to that response. He said, bring a robe, bring a ring, bring some sandals. What you've been working on in destruction, I've been working on constructing the whole time in this process. Right now is when the whole series changes. Everything Changes from this moment on. For 12 generations, the sons of Ham were slaves. For 12 generations, they were building a great empire for someone else. For 12 generations, the, re- the, the sins, the reality of homelessness of their father followed the sons. Everybody say, but the father. Everybody say, but the father. There was a day coming when the father knew his children would come home. I want you to listen to this verse. Luke fifteen twenty. And he arose and came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, everybody say a long way off, off. his father saw him, felt compassion, ran and embraced him and kissed him. Everybody say, but the father. Hey, you don't see something from a long way off unless you're looking for it. You don't see something coming from a long way off unless you're looking for it. See, so many of us think we just stumble back into the grace of God. No, God saw you coming from a long way off, and you don't stumble back into the grace of God. It was grace that was running towards you. It was the Father that was running after you. It was the Father who had compassion on you, and the Father knew there was a day his son was coming home because you don't see something from a long way off unless you're looking for it to come home. The Father's looking for you to come home. The Father's looking for you to get out of this reality and to get into this place over here. See, if you're looking for something from a long way off, you see it coming from a distance. And if he saw you coming from a distance, his grace was already at that distance that he saw you coming from. See, some of you got to receive that you are a son and there's nothing you can do to change it. There's nothing you can do to change it. And if you would receive that you're a son and there's nothing that you can do to change it, the father's not just going to see you coming from a long way off, but he's going to be running to you from a long way off. See, you don't see something from a long way off unless you're looking for it. And that whole time, I want you to get with me on the story of the prodigal son. That whole time that his younger son was gone, was the farm still functioning? Yeah. Yeah. Was the housework still done? Yes. Was everything still taken care of? Yes. That's why I say what the enemy has meant for destruction. The whole time you think the enemy's destroying something, God says, I've been constructing something. The housework was never undone, even though the youngest son wasn't there. Just because you've been in a place in your life where this reality is destroying it, when you come home, the father says, I've been in construction all these years waiting for my son to come home. And not just waiting, I saw him coming from a long way off and I ran to him because I've been working on a place just for him. And now listen. Now listen to this. This is the the best part to me. When the son came home, He said, Go get a robe. Right? He said, Go get a robe. Do you remember what happened at the beginning of the story? The son took what the father gave him and took all he had and ran off and squandered it with wild living and running around with whores, the Bible said. So when the son came home, the son didn't put on his robe, the son put on the father's robe. See, some of y'all got to get that. When you come home, you're not putting on your robe, your issues, your problems. You're putting on the father's stuff. When you start running home, the father says, I see you from a long way off. You're not putting on your old junk again. You're putting on his stuff, which is the best stuff, which is authority stuff in this lifetime. Now, come on. Some of y'all don't look like you want to come home. Because some of y'all are afraid what you're going to look like in daddy's clothes. <laughs> you're afraid that they're going to look too big on me. They are too big on you. They are too big for you. Grace is too much for me. Righteousness is too much for me. I don't know how to receive it all. But I'm dad going sure, dadgum well sure going to try it over here. Because I'm going to walk in my father's business, not my own business anymore. Grace is too much for me. The Bible says where sin abounds, grace abounds that much more. His righteousness is too much for me. I don't know what it's like to to, to, to pay the price, to be seated at the right hand of the Heavenly Father and be joint heirs, co-heirs with Jesus Christ. It is too much for me, but I'm willing to receive a little bit of too much rather than deal with all my stuff. Some of y'all are acting like if you go to a buffet and there's too much food, you're going to be mad. Come on now. If you go to a buffet and they have a little bit of food, you're going to be mad. But in the spiritual world, you go to a buffet, it's like, oh, that's just too much. That that can't be right. No, grace is too much. It is too much. And here's the best part. Here is the best part, my favorite part. My my most favorite part. I'm, I'm talking my exponential favorite part. The son comes home with his head down. Daddy's always had his head up. Because you don't see something coming from a long way off unless you're looking for it. So the son's walking with his head down. Daddy's walking with his head up. And the daddy runs to the son. It doesn't say the son ran at all. We pictured it in videos and stuff like that. They're both running to each other. No, the Bible doesn't say the son ran. The Bible says the father ran. And the father got to the son before the son got to the father. Come on, and when the father got to the son, before the son got to the Father, he said, "'Pick up your head and I, and I just envisioned it like this, and he turns his head up, and the son begins to speak, and the father ignored his ignorant speaking. Come on, some of y'all need to ask God to ignore your ignorant speaking, because the son said. Father, I'm not worthy to be a son, but I'm about to be a slave in your house. And before he even finished his fully rehearsed statement, the father said, Go get a robe. Go get a ring and go get some sandals. And and, and I don't know if I have time to get into all that in the next three weeks, but you need to go study all that stuff. It's amazing. And he said, Go get all that stuff. But listen, what he did when he picked his head up, he no longer said, I'm daddy. He said, Now when you call on me, I'm daddy God. God. See, see, we don't understand this. We call on daddy or we call on God. Very seldom do we call on daddy God. We call on Daddy. Oh, Heavenly Father, we love you. We praise you. Oh, God, come in in power. Very often, not very often, do we say you are Daddy and you are God all at the same time. And because you love me as a Daddy and you are all powerful as God, I call you Daddy God. And not just when Daddy's on the scene but when, or when God's on the scene, but when Daddy God, with the love and the righteous indignation of a father, starts being an enemy to your enemies. I know as a father, when Daddy gets riled up about something, come on, It ain't just daddy power, it's a God power that comes. And some of you gotta realize that when the son came home, that the father was not mad at the son, but what the father was mad at is how the world had stolen his son and the life of his son for several years. And so when he came home, it wasn't just loving daddy that showed up, it wasn't just God that showed up, but daddy with the love of the father and God possessing all power showed up at the same time and said, I'm giving him too much. I'm giving him my righteousness and my robe. I'm giving him my authority with my ring. I'm giving him my place with my shoes on and he's coming home. And listen, when he killed the fatted calf, this is way off my nose. This ain't even in my nose. I'm just, I'm just going. And when he killed the fatted calf, this is the best part. Woo. He said, you are no longer uh, what you said as a slave. I am cutting covenant with you that you are not just my son. You are my son again, but now you are now joint heir again in my business and in my affairs and in everything that I have because you now understand I'm not just daddy. I'm not just God, but I'm daddy God in this place. Ooh, come on now. I'm telling you. about to make a brother break a sweat up here. Ooh, you wonder why I get excited. And I'll tell you why I get excited. Because when I realized that it's not just daddy that shows up. And it's not just God that shows up. But it's daddy God. That my daddy is the God of all creation. And there is nothing too hard for him. When daddy God shows up. Everybody say, "But but the father. Oh, Lord, but the father. In this place. When he shows up. He's too much. And it's okay to have too much of him. In your life. Because I got two questions for you. Your today. And your realities of today. I don't know how I'm going to fix this mess before next service. But we'll figure it out. <laughs> today in your reality of today. And your tomorrow. What are you carrying into your tomorrow? What the devil has meant for destruction. Daddy God says I'm fixing to use for construction. What the world and the devil has used in homelessness, God said, I've been in a building process the whole time. And I've been waiting for you to come home. What the world has said has meant for evil. The Bible says, I work out all things together for good to those who love me and are called according to my purpose. See, a lot of people try to be called according to his purpose before they fully love him. And we wonder why we're in an area of homelessness. But when you truly love him, you'll be called according to his purpose. And he no longer looks at you as just son. He cuts new covenant with you through his Jesus Christ, his one and only son. And when he cut new covenant with you, he said, You are now a son, but you're more than a son. You're equal business partners in my venture. And all that the company has, all that the kingdom has, is yours.